That wasn't exactly what I wanted. Maybe this is. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to another podcast of the Free Your Mind podcast with Misty. I am Misty, your ghost hostess with the mostest, and we are carrying on this week um, on my Paranormal Life series, and this is going to be part two of Moundsville Penitentiary, a.k.a. West Virginia State Pen. Um, and those of you that may have me on uh, my Facebook, um, which it is a personal account right now, um, I did message something very kind of like, I'm going to tell you, but you got to listen to my podcast. Because it's not because I really wanted to like plug my podcast and like listen it's just a lot it is a lot it was a lot to like post over a facebook post it was a lot to even like tell this story multiple times and it blew my mind so with that being said let's get in to part two and where this left off let me just start before i like go any further with this before i start back where i left off on part one you have to go and listen to part one of Moundsville um, podcast because how this is going to roll in and how it, it, it blew my mind. I like that's the only words I have right now is that my mind was blown yesterday. And do not ever think that what you choose in a day as simple as an article of clothing isn't divinely thought through from someone other than you. Because this was, this was great. This was great. This was nuts. Um, yeah, so here it goes. And it's, like I said, the, exactly where I left off. Because I knew I was, like, kind of, like, closing in. Because I'm trying to keep it on the half hour spectrum here. So, so you guys can enjoy this podcast on your ride to work, commute, you know, that kind of thing. I don't want to make it too, too long. Um, but I left off talking about Danny Lehman. Did I or did I not? Right? Okay, and I was like, I was getting ready to like explain to you really who Danny Lehman was and the part that he played in the 1986 riot. Okay, so, and then I was like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off. We're going to do part two because Moundsville, I, I might wind up having six parts with Moundsville because I've been there three, I can't remember if it's three or four times. I know I've definitely been there three times. Um, and... I just got so much from Moundsville is that place for me. And I think I've already said this in part one, that that is like my paranormal home away from home. It holds a very special place in my heart. It's probably one of my favorite places, hands down to investigate. I've had plenty of experiences there. Every time I go, I'm not disappointed. So, um, yeah, with that being said, let's get into part two, right where I left off. And I am immediately going to, Finish with Danny Lehman and explain Danny Lehman and who he was, the role he played at Moundsville. Um, he was an inmate. And then I'm going to go right into the story of what insanely happened to me yesterday. Okay? While I was at a grocery store of all places. So, Danny Lehman, we, he was the leader of the, they're in jail, in prison. You know, there's a lot of gangs, um, Moundsville had the Aryan Brotherhood. Um, they also had uh, the Avengers was another one that was um, very well-known prison gang. And 
So Red Snyder, which I will get into him later, um, he was the leader of the Aryan Brotherhood. And then Danny Lehman was the leader of the Avengers. And Danny was, it was, and I don't know if I, I explained this or not, but in the 1986 riot, the New Year's Day riot that happened at Moundsville, there, it was, um, the 20 inmates were Avenger inmates that decided to storm the mess hall. And all of, and, and you know, there was um, multiple, um, I think there was like four, four guards that were murdered and... Um, yeah, there was just was a ton of bloodshed. I think there was three inmates, four guards. It was, it was a lot. A lot of bloodshed, a lot of torture that was done. Um, and Danny Lehman was behind it. He headed it. He didn't have anything to do with it. He was the he was the leader. He was the brain. But he wasn't the muscle. Okay? And so he put his men out there. And he his hands were... Even though it was his men, his hands claimed that he was washed clean of it. Now, Danny Lehman was colorblind, okay? However, when you go into Moundsville and Danny Lehman, his name is brought up there in their tours quite a bit. He played a very prevalent role in the latter years that um, Moundsville was open. Um, so he painted tons of murals. You'll go into, you'll see paintings done on canvas, and he, and I didn't know this until the other day, but he loved to paint on velvet, because apparently back in those days, velvet was like all the rage, painting on velvet. Um, he, he just, he was, he was great, but he was very colorblind, and you will notice that if you ever look at some of the murals he did in the conjugal visit area, if you ever visit Moundsville, or you look up pictures of the murals, um, you will be able to tell that he was colorblind because some of <laughs> he actually did some Ninja Turtles and some of them were not exactly what the colors they were supposed to be because of his colorblindness. Um, Danny, however, even though he calls this riot and and he was the brains of it, there was some um, yeah, so there was some horrible. Uh, yeah, there were just some horrible, deplorable conditions that led to that riot. And let me just explain that even though he was the brains, he definitely, he got his dues because I feel, I don't remember 100% of the background story and neither did this other person, but um, he was killed the night before Thanksgiving in 86 um, so he lived a good while. He lived from January 1st, um, uh, being the head honcho and the player, you know, the mastermind behind this riot to try to bring awareness to the cruddy conditions that was Moundsville and what they were living in to the night before Thanksgiving when there was, uh, five inmates that used Shanks and to basically ambush him. He was out on his own um i was told that he was actually taken to like because he was so because of after all of this knowing that he was the leader of the avengers and the avengers caused this riot i guess throughout these like what 10 11 months that he still stayed alive between the riot and this he was placed out on like i guess the wreck yard on his own 
but somehow these five inmates, and you, you got to love it when you say, but somehow, because you know, and I just got, I had so much confirmation, and I, I can't wait to tell you about this, this divine intervention visit that I had, but somehow there were these five inmates that got out somehow and ambushed him. There's a lot of ambushings that happened at Moundsville, and I think it's because of dirty guards, um, in my personal opinion. Um, that was never proven, but how else are five inmates just going to aimlessly know where he is and be at that exact moment to be able to ambush him? Same thing with R.D. Wall. I think R.D. Wall, I think that whole ambush that happened, um, and I don't know if I had talked about him yet or not, I don't think so, but, um... <laughs> he, I think that was a dirty guard that just, yeah, did what he did, and yeah. So, anywho, my opinions. I don't know if that's fact or not, but my opinions. Um, somebody's got to be watching these guys. I mean, shit, you know? <laughs> I mean, or somebody's not, or somebody's in on it. So, um, Danny Lehman, the reason that it was, um, that he was ambushed is they, it was a power struggle killing to make a point to authorities because um, they basically, I feel like his own, I don't know if it was his own guys or if it was part of the Aryan Brotherhood. I don't have all of that detailed information, but it was, there was a power struggle that was going on within the jail between um, with layman and these five inmates came in, ambushed him, and with a shank, stabbed him in the eyeball. Just came in, jabbed him, jabbed him in the eyeball. Whenever they went to remove the the shank, uh, the eyeball actually came out and was dangling and was told that when he was discovered, the eyeball was actually dangling on his cheek. Um, he was stabbed multiple times um, and, and ultimately died of his... Um, he was murdered. Uh, and... There, I, I was in the area where he was found and where he was murdered, and I actually have a snapshot, a, a photograph of where the, the cage area is, where I guess he would come in and out of the rec hall, and it happened in that coming out of the, the rec area, coming back into the prison. There is this, like, little caged area, and that is where the ambush happened. Um, so in this picture that I captured... You can actually like blow up and see what looks like a figure behind that, um, behind the the caging, and it looks like a person. It totally looks like a man, a male figure. And if I can try to find it, since I am recording audio, or I'm sorry, video, um, I will try to look through it. And um, on the the second one, unless I have time right now, which I'll try, but I got a lot that I need to get out here. Um. Yeah, I will, I'll definitely try to show it to you because I know I have it. And that's paranormal evidence. That's what we're talking about here. So, anywho. So, why was Danny Lehman, why was he even in prison? He was actually incarcerated for murder, robbery, and malicious wounding. It was all gang-related via biker gang, the Avengers. Duh. So, the Avengers have inside job people <laughs> in prison and they're out there on the streets. Um, and there was... Um, he, and he was a leader in that gang on the streets. And whenever he was in prison for his murder and robbery, you know, he just was a leader on the inside. However, 
Danny, obviously being the painter, apparently he was very well trusted. Very well trusted. Um, and I'm going to go into my divine intervention, my little story that I promised that I would share on this podcast. Um, I was, and this is all about Danny Lehman, and this, this is why it just blew my mind. So yesterday, I got up. I uh, had some errands to run, some appointments that I had to do, and I was getting dressed for the day, and I went to go pick out a hoodie. You know, it's kind of cold where I'm in. I'm in PA. Went to pick out a hoodie, hoodie and leggings kind of day, doing errands, and the one hoodie I picked up, I was like, eh, I seen my Moundsville hoodie, which was right next to it, and I'm like, nah, I'm going to grab it. You know, whenever I go to my locations, all these locations, I like to, obviously you're supporting the business by doing the tours and paying for the investigations, but me, I like a little bit of merch. Who doesn't? So, um, it just shows your support. To me, it shows my footprint, where I've been, and, um, so I, I have a hoodie, a Moundsville hoodie that I wear from time to time, and, uh, for some reason, I was just like, no, I think I'm going to wear that today. Like, my brain, like, went one direction, and it was almost like, no, go here. So, I'm in Aldi's grocery store, in case those of you that are listening don't know what an Aldi's is, but I'm in Aldi's grocery store, of all places, of all places, right? And I am just going about my shopping, and all of a sudden, I hear this tiny little voice behind me go, ma'am, where did you get your shirt? And I turn around. And when I turn around, there is this sweetest old woman that almost uncannily looks like a Lorraine Warren type. No joke. Even down to, you could tell that she was wearing a wig. Um, it, it, in her late, late 70s, early 80s, I'm going to say, and um, kind of shell-shocked me because I'm thinking to myself, uh... Okay. <laughs> um, and so I like, I looked at her and I go, I said, well, I said, I've been there before. I said, not imprisoned, but I said, I, I've, I've been there a few times. I've taken their tours and actually done some investigations. Because when it comes to the elderly, you just don't know how they're going to take with the whole paranormal aspect, you know? And as soon as I said that, and I said that I had been there and I do investigations, her whole face lit up. She smiled at me. And she goes, I worked there. And I lost my whole mind immediately. I was like, oh my gosh. I said, what did you do? Were you a guard? You know, she's just this cute, sweet, frail, like little thing. And she goes, no, I was a dental hygienist in the infirmary. And immediately I was like, you have got to be kidding. Like I got instant chills. Like, this was meant to happen. I had left off with Moundsville, the very first Moundsville episode, talking about Danny Lehman, cutting it off because I didn't want to jip him, okay? Didn't want to jip him his due because he played a pretty big role in Moundsville. Like I said, if you go there, they'll they'll utilize his name quite a bit. Um, and his spirit footprint is very much so still there to this day. Like I said, I feel like we had interaction with him when I was there the one time. This woman, and I didn't get her name. I wish I would have got her name. And I, she said, she said, I was there 
during the 1986 riot. She worked there for about close to two years. And I lost my whole mind. And she started talking about Danny Lehman. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me right now. Like, there is nothing other than divine spirit intervention that wanted me to shut my mouth on Danny Lehman, give him his due, then to not choose a certain sweatshirt that my hand went for in the first place, to choose the one next to it, which was my Moundsville shirt, to be in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, of all flippant places, this tiny little podunk town, at an Aldi's grocery store to meet this amazing woman who was brave enough back in 1984 to 86 to work at Moundsville Penitentiary as a dental hygienist. And the stories that this woman shared with me in that grocery store in the middle of the frozen section was absolutely phenomenal. I felt like I was standing, like I legit felt, and I was, but I felt like I was standing in front of an amazing piece of history that I feel like her and I both, like I felt like I don't think that she understood how amazing and brave she was in that situation. And then me being 42, so I mean there's probably like I could easily have been her granddaughter at this point, like really appreciating the segment of history and the fact that she was so brave. It was amazing. This interaction was absolutely divine. For the both of us, absolutely amazing. So, anywho, I know. I'm so excited. I just keep, like, my mind is still, like, mentally blown over this. But I ask her, I'm like, you're from Moundsville. You know, that's, like, four and a half hours away. Why are you all of a sudden now, you know, in Chambersburg? What? And she said that her husband was in the military, and they actually were um, here and there. You know, they, they moved. They were even, they lived overseas even. And uh, she said even Guam. Guam was one of the places that she was stationed at one time because her husband was military. And she had learned dental hygienist through all of that. And um, they lived in D.C. Um, after being, like, he was still in the, the military, but he was getting ready to be, um, I guess, released. They were in D.C. at the moment. Husband wanted to, he felt the calling to be a pastor. So he went. And, excuse me, I'm so sorry. Oh, Lord. Breathe, Misty. I know you get excited, but you need to breathe. <laughs> so, um, he got an offer in Moundsville, West Virginia, of all places, to become a pastor of this church. She already had her dental hygienist um, license. And if you've ever been to Moundsville, it's not a very ritzy, D.C. money type of area. It is very much so, um, I'm going to say it's a very poor area of in West Virginia. It definitely, uh, you, you I, I could see where back in the 80s, that prison was probably the income for, I'm going to say, 70% of that town. Um, maybe I'm a little harsh in that analogy, but... It's very small town, and um, yeah. So, but she told me like back in those days, she was making forty dollars an hour being a dental hygienist, working in the uh, working in the prison. And my lord, we're talking that was a really good money back then. Um, but she, after that riot, she told me she said uh, she wasn't to work that day. That was the day that she was scheduled off. 
And she told me that after that, she was warned by Danny because she worked with him a lot. He was very trusted. He was allowed to do maintenance work in the buildings along with painting. And she said that she would walk with him and talk with him all the time. Sometimes that he would be the one that would uh, sterilize her tools um, for her dental hygienist. Um, And I'm just like, are you kidding me? She goes, and every, he was a sweet man. She said he was very sweet, and everyone thought he could be trusted. She goes, but he should not have been trusted. Um, she said how conniving and sneaky he was. She said that he, she never herself felt danger with him. I think he kind of looked after her a little bit, and you will find that. Some of these men do have good hearts, but they got poor intentions, but they got good hearts. Like, so... She said, I don't think he, I think the reason that he told me about it is just to fair warn me that it was going to happen, but he knew I was going to be safe because I wasn't, and he told me, don't worry, you're not going to be here. That something bad is going to happen on the first, but don't worry, you're scheduled off that day, you're not going to have to worry about it. And so after that riot happened, she never went back. She actually heard that it happened looked at her husband that day whenever the news broke and said, I need you to find a new church because I am not going back to work there. She said, I am not putting my life in danger anymore. Um, She had made mention that they were required to, as women, you know, wear certain like pantsuits and stuff, no skirts, no nothing. And she said that she was very naive um, back in those days and She, that morning, spilled orange juice all over her outfit, and she didn't have time to, like, really change, and I think that was, like, she said she didn't have time to do laundry. I think that was, like, the only outfit that she had available, and so she was like, I'll just put a long skirt on for the day. She said when she went in that day, rumors started flying. There were things that were being said, the cat calling, this, that, and the other, And um, she said, oh, that was the biggest mistake that she had ever, ever, ever made. Um, But, yeah. And, uh, I mean, she remembered R.D. Wall. She remembered him. Uh, She remembered Red Snyder, which is is crazy. And her and I, one of the last things that we had um, talked about, I I feel like I wish I could have just recorded our conversation because it was so amazing we we talked for probably a good 15 minutes and I was just so inspired by her. You know, I told her and she was just like, ah, I was so naive and she was just brushing it off as nothing. But I was like, listen, you are a woman who was brave enough to say, yeah, I'll, I'll work. I'll be a dental, a, a dental hygienist in a, <laughs> one of the most dangerous, violent prisons in America To this date, I said, I don't think you really realize how brave you think of yourself as naive that you were just, you didn't realize what you were signing up for, but you did it, you know, and you met one of the most, I mean, not that I'm glorifying Danny Lehman and who he was and what he did, but if you go to Moundsville, Danny Lehman is very prevalent at Moundsville Penitentiary and his story lives on and it's a sad one, but he's still there. His energy is still there. And it's crazy that she worked in the infirmary and the infirmary, I was telling her 
the infirmary and the psych ward is the two, um, they're conjoined. They're only kept by like a really head ward. It's probably one of my favorite places to investigate whenever I go there. I get so frustrated when I see, you know, those that are on YouTube and, you know, that, that really go to other places like the Sugar Shack and um, obviously the North Hall, which is Uber. Um, but they don't spend time in some of the other places that I've had like phenomenal evidence in which has been the church and um, the psych ward and the infirmary. Um, but yeah, it's just that it was absolutely amazing um, that I just met a living piece of history, you know, at the place that I am so just absolutely in awe of. And I know that sounds really creepy and morbid, but um, until you go to Moundsville, and I think the reason why I'm so connected to Moundsville, and this was one of the last things that her and I talked about in our conversation that we had, was the fact of the Indian burial mound that is right across the road from it. When the, the burial mound was to house the higher ups, the shamans, the healers in the hierarchy of that Indian village. And then the you know, the, I don't want to call them the commoners, but basically the people just like you and me would be buried around the mound, okay, at the base. And then these were your, your higher ups. And that was buried in the mound. And whenever, and I already explained this in episode one, how whenever they were uncovering and excavating, the prisoners was actually finding bodies and they were Native American, sacred burials, not meant to be moved. And her and I were talking about that, and she goes, because she was actually open to my paranormal conversation and some of the things that I've witnessed there. So we were talking and sharing a little bit about all of that. And I said, so what do you, what do you think about all of the, the Native American uh, heritage? And she goes, I think they hexed them. And when she said that, I about, I glowed because that is for sure something in my investigations in Moundsville that I 100% believe. Um, so it was amazing because I wasn't even like giving off any type of energy to her to be like, like we weren't talking about, you know, like the, like the heck, anything like that. We were just talking about the native Americans and how it was discovered. The graves were discovered. And I'm like, so what do you think about all of that? And she, she's like, I think they hexed them. And I'm like, Wow. From someone that, like, doesn't know me from Adam to have the same thought process, the same feeling about why Moundsville is so haunted <laughs> just blows my mind. Blows it. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really could kick myself that I did not get this woman's name. She was the sweetest. She was so open-minded. Her soul, it was just like... I gave her a little bit of like, I feel like older generations, whenever they're, they know that their time could be tomorrow. I mean, she was very elderly. I feel like maybe they don't look at themselves as how badass they really were, you know, in their day. And I just felt like I gave her that like needed, like woman, you are amazing. I think you're amazing. And I am so grateful that I had an opportunity to meet with you. And yeah, it just... Uh, I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Um, 
it was just, it was great. And it was great for me because I almost, in a weird sense, felt like Danny Lehman's spirit was like, hold up. You really think this paranormal stuff is legit? Let me, I got something for you. I know you're getting ready to speak on my name because spirit hears us all the time. I don't have to go to Moundsville to connect with Danny Lehman, whether you realize that or not. I mean, if, and I know that's getting into more of my mediumship side of, of myself, but I, I don't, I don't. And that just proved it to me. Like I, my whole mind was absolutely flipping blown on Friday. It just, it was blown. Like only words I have for it. And um, I feel like I feel like I made her smile in that day and, and made her feel like part of her life was amazing and worth living. And I feel like she gave me so much confirmation in spirit that is not even, like, I, there is no other words but to know that spirit divinely was like, hey, Danny's got more for you and you got more for your podcast and I think I need to go back to Moundsville. I think I just need to do that. Um, so I already booked for Hillview in November. Hmm, excuse me. And I, I, I came home and I told my husband this story. And when I told him, he was like, oh, my God, I got chills. And then I told my son and he was like, ooh, I got the goosies. And I told my daughter and they all, everybody that I've told so far is just like, oh, my God, I got goosebumps. That's crazy. I'm like, right, right. <laughs> this is nuts. Who does this happen to? This is amazing. So, um, yeah, I really think Moundsville's calling me and I will always go when Moundsville calls. It's, it's, uh, if it's, if you've never investigated it, do yourself a favor and investigate it. And I'll probably say that in every freaking episode that I do on here. So guys, that's part of my history. We're still part three. I'm going to tell you is history. I got history for days on this place and we, this is just the tip of the iceberg. We haven't even made it like to the, like where the iceberg meets the water. We haven't even gone down to the depths of how big this iceberg is. That is Moundsville. So, um, yeah, guys, definitely stay tuned. Um, I have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots to share with you. This might be even like, I'm looking at all my notes and I know like video, I'm so sorry. I just have massive, look, massive, I'm showing them. Like, and this is like all Moundsville. So, all Moundsville. All Moundsville. Be patient with me. Um, I hope that you are enjoying this as much as I am. Uh, this being my favorite place, I'm going to take a little bit of extra time with it because um, I just love it. And, yeah, I hope you're enjoying it too. So stay tuned for more of the history and then I will get in, I promise you, to the evidence and the paranormal side of all of my investigations at the Moundsville Penitentiary. But thank you guys. Thank you for listening. I hope this uplifted you and made you feel like, wow, there is such a thing as divine intervention because I know I believe in it. And um, yeah. And until next week, don't be afraid to free your mind.